This episode of Weekly Weird News is sponsored by Babbel. COVID-19 is a global pandemic, but that doesn't mean there still aren't a few places that have somehow managed to remain COVID-free this whole time. Such places are, of course, extremely isolated and most fall under the category of uncontacted peoples, but an entire country actually managed to go this whole time without COVID getting in. At least until they finally let their guard down and decided to allow a bunch of Mormon missionaries to come spread their religion and also their disease. In a real uh, throwback to the Age of Discovery. Yeah. We come bearing the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. Also, hey, here's a, here's a bonus. It's a virus. Yeah. Enjoy. Everyone loves a reboot. Uh, so that's what apparently happened in the nation of Kiribati, a string of tiny, tiny islands in the middle of the Pacific between Australia and Hawaii that's populated by only around 120,000 people total. Up until 1979, Kiribati was a British colony, and while their independence and isolation aren't always ideal for human development, it's been a real asset during the COVID-19 pandemic. Not a whole lot of people were stopping by to begin with, so locking down the border even tighter meant two years of smooth sailing. At least till the Mormons showed up. Uh, here's the Washington Post. The Pacific Island nation of Kiribati, which had almost entirely kept the coronavirus out, went into lockdown on Saturday for the first time in the pandemic. The government imposed a 24-hour curfew after passengers on the first international flight in months tested positive for the virus. Before this month, the island, one of the world's most remote, had recorded just two infections in two people returning on a ship in May last year who isolated on the vessel. The new rules include a ban on social gatherings and a requirement that residents stay home except in emergencies. Most government offices and other institutions will close except for hospitals, the police department, and essential services. 36 people on a flight from Fiji tested positive on landing about a week ago on the first plane to arrive since the nation reopened its borders this month. All 54 passengers were isolated at a facility, but at least four cases were since reported in the community, including a security guard at the isolation center. So this article is from a little over a week ago, and it only briefly mentions the fact that the flight from Fiji was chartered by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, a more recent report from the AP goes into more detail. Kiribati finally began reopening this month, allowing the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to charter a plane to bring home 54 of the island nation's citizens. Many of those aboard were missionaries who had left Kiribati before the border closure to spread the faith abroad for what is commonly known as the Mormon Church. So yeah, it's, this wasn't even Mormon missionaries from abroad bringing disease to Kiribati. Mm, okay. It was Mormons from Kiribati bringing the disease home after being locked out for two years, which is, yeah, that kind of stings. It's, uh, it's always the ones closest to you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Anyway, it continues. Officials tested each returning passenger three times in nearby Fiji, requiring that they be vaccinated and put them in quarantine with additional testing when they arrived home. It wasn't enough. More than half the passengers tested positive for the virus, which has now slipped out into the community and prompted the government to declare a state of disaster. An initial 36 positive cases from the flight had ballooned to 181 cases by Friday. Yeah, that's an outbreak, all yep. right. Now, what's unclear from these two articles is just how many residents of Kiribati are currently vaccinated. The Washington Post says 90% have gotten one shot and 53% are fully vaxxed. But the AP says 59% have received one dose and just 33% are fully vaxxed. Not sure how those numbers are so different from each other, but uh, Kiribati apparently has uh, nowhere near the intensive care beds needed for any kind of serious outbreak. They usually fly their sickest patients all the way to Fiji or New Zealand for treatment. So best of luck to them. This is, uh, has the potential to get real bad real quick. Yeah. 
Uh, meanwhile, uh, while that's an L for Kiribati, on the other side of the world, another island nation took a W when fishermen on the west coast of Ireland faced off against the Russian military and somehow won. So basically, Russia was planning on doing some naval exercises next month around 150 miles off Ireland's southwest coast. Under international law, they are apparently allowed to do this, but with all the tension around Ukraine right now, the idea of the Russian Navy spending a whole week just off the coast of the European Union, uh, Ireland, they weren't feeling very welcome, welcoming about it. No. Uh, in fact, Ireland's foreign affairs minister straight up said that Russia was not welcome. Please don't come. Mm -hmm. But Russia fired back at Ireland, basically saying this was no big deal. No one's under threat here. You're making a big deal out of everything, etc. Yeah. Nothing to see here. The naval exercises, they're happening whether you like it or not, Ireland. So uh, just please calm down. You're causing a scene. Yeah. And uh, it seemed like that was that until the professional fishermen in Ireland who normally fish in the same waters that Russia was going to be doing exercises in told Russia that there were going to be 60 trawlers out there fishing exactly where they usually do. And if that's going to be a problem, maybe be in the way, well, I don't know, do your thing elsewhere and not on our turf. This is our fish. The last thing I would want to do is mess with an Irish fisherman. I've seen things out here in the sea that you couldn't imagine. Yeah, I, no thanks. Pass. You, yeah. you know what? The seat's yours. I'll leave the bar. Um, anyway, here, here's the BBC. A group of fishermen is planning to peacefully disrupt Russia's plans to hold a military exercise off the coast of Ireland in February. The chief executive of the Irish South and West Fish Producers Organization, ISNWFPO, has said the area is very important for members. Patrick Murphy says that they want to protect biodiversity and marine life. Mr. Murphy said he spoke to an official of the Russian embassy on Tuesday afternoon. He said the official told him it would be reckless for the fishing organization to send boats out to intervene with the exercise. Mr. Murphy said he assured the official that the fishermen's organization would not be sending boats out to specifically engage with the Russian na Navy. Quote, we are letting them know that we will be fishing in our traditional fishing areas, and if this has an impact on their exercise, this would be considered a peaceful protest, Mr. Murphy added. While cracking his knuckles and, and taking a big hit off of a corncob pipe. Oh, so you're going to be doing military exercises out there where we usually get our fishes, huh? Well, we're going to be out there doing it, so... We'll be out there, too. Yeah. I guess I'll see you there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, holy shit, this actually worked. All that diplomacy? Nah. Fuck off, Ireland, but yeah. when the, the fishermen come together with their hooks, uh, shit gets real. Yeah. Ruining Russia's immersion in their war game by having fishing vessels all around it, and the possibility of accidentally harming these fishermen and causing an international incident, it all seems to have done the trick. Because yeah. if you're going to start World War III, there are dumb ways to do it, and there's really dumb ways to do it. Like, ah, oh, shit, we sank a fishing trawler off the coast of the EU. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> they, they threatened the Irish? <laughs> oh, shit, a submarine got caught in a fishing net and dragged a trawler down and killed everyone on board. Whoops. Yeah. Anyway, that's World War III for you. <laughs> Uh, but Russia's ambassador to Ireland specifically cited the concerns of the fishermen when announcing that the exercises would be moved out into international waters. So, fishermen, they're, they're known for telling tall tales, exaggerating a bit. Yeah. But uh, when these guys tell their grandkids about how they played chicken with the Russian military and got Russia to blink first, they will be telling it exactly as it happened. They'll yeah. probably add a few things on top of that, too. It'll be a an amazing story and one that almost makes up for the lie that they told about having sex with a beautiful mermaid that <laughs> ended up being a manatee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was me and my trawler and Vladimir Putin himself at the head of that battleship just sailing directly towards each other. Yep. And we were but 50 meters apart. 
when Putin made the signal to turn. They played international waters chicken and Ireland won. So that's, that, look, I love it. I, I think it's it. great. Yeah. Yeah. It also, like, gives these fishermen a real chip on their shoulder. One that I think they can go a long way. And you don't not, fuck with an Irish fisherman. Exactly, yeah. And now we have a secret weapon. Yeah. If World War III <laughs> does start, then we're going to send in the Irish fishermen. So, these fish are all we have. Yeah. Uh, anyway, speaking of the Russians, at some point in the Cold War, probably the 60s or 70s, but nobody really knows, some Soviet engineers were out in the desert of Turkmenistan looking for fossil fuel deposits when they uh, accidentally stumbled upon a methane gas deposit, which ended up collapsing into a huge sinkhole. A crazy amount of methane was immediately released into the air, and the Soviet engineers decided that uh, the best way to deal with this little oopsie would be to just burn off the methane by tossing a lit match into the hole. <laughs> uh, people were built different back then. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, a gas burn. leak? Burn it all. Yeah. Uh, the details of this story are impossible to verify and are basically a folktale at this point. Uh, but what's demonstrably true is that for the last 50 years or so, that hole in the middle of Turkmenistan, uh, or in the Turkmenistan desert, it's been on fire. And it's now known as the Gateway to Hell, though its proper name is the Darvasa Gas Crater. Um, but Gateway to Hell sounds a lot cooler. Yeah. And accurately describes it. Yeah, you don't hear, you can't picture ACDC making a song called Darvasa Gas Crater, but you can picture Gateway to Hell. Yeah. No problem. Mm. But yeah, it turns out there was a lot more methane down there than those Russians predicted, and this hole has the potential to just keep on burning indefinitely for maybe thousands of years. Mm -hmm. And while the CO2 spewing out of its flames is not ideal for the climate, it's also an amount comparable to maybe like one or two man-made power plants. It's also in the middle of nowhere, so the fumes aren't really a danger to anyone's health. It's just a weird hole yeah. full of fire way out in the desert that you can see on Google Earth. And it's also apparently somewhat embarrassing for Turkmenistan's dictator, though he he did drive donuts around it a couple years ago on state television. <laughs> to to uh, assert dominance. Turkmenistan is a uh, very weird country. It's kind of the North Korea of Central Asia. A little less intense, but uh, it's basically uh, this dictator guy whose name is very difficult to pronounce. It's his little playground, and uh, even getting in to visit is a very complicated process. You know, a more accurate name might be the devil's butthole. Yeah. Because it's methane gas coming out of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. It, it's like, oh, God, who farted? It's the Earth's anus. Sergey, did you fart? <laughs> no, <laughs> it was not me. Doing donuts around the Earth's anus. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so this dictator, he does. He wants to shut down the gateway to hell, I guess, somehow. He wants to get rid of it. Um, how would you do that? I don't know. Here's Gizmodo. Within the Central Asian nation's expansive Karakum Desert, somewhere just north of its center lies Darvasa Crater, more commonly known as the Gateway to Hell. Although its dimensions, 230 feet or 70 meters across and 100 feet or 30 meters deep, aren't that impressive, the perpetual conflagration within certainly is. Methane-fueled fires have been burning down there for perhaps half a century, like the world's most overzealous barbecue pit. For some strange reason, as the new year dawned, Turkmenistan's authoritarian president, okay, here we go, Gurbanguly Berdi Mukhamedov. Yeah, sure, I think you got it pretty close. Gurbanguly Berd, I did it better the first time. Gurbanguly Berdi Mukhamedov. Uh, sure. He, he, that guy, he decided that he'd have had enough of Darvasa's incandescence. During televised remarks made earlier this month, he said that the crater, one far from any permanent human population, was a health and safety hazard and an environmental risk. He also implied that the natural gas going up in flames could be tapped and used as fuel. Quote, We are losing valuable natural resources for which we could get significant profits and use them for improving the well-being of our people. 
Uh, that's what he noted. Uh, <laughs> Bernie, Muck, M Bernie Madoff. Uh, officials, he said, had been ordered to find a solution to extinguish the fire. Yeah, he's got. He, this is the guy that gets all the Guinness, uh, Guinness World Records. Oh, cool. Uh, they're all like the ones that no one ever thought of. Like, uh, well, now world's he can biggest do, indoor Ferris wheel. Now except. he can uh, get one for real by shutting the Earth's asshole. World's biggest pit of flames to be extinguished. To be lit by man and then extinguished by man How 50 years later. How do you close, seal up a giant Earth's butthole with an even bigger Earth's butt plug? Yeah. And it has to it's be like one of those diamond ones. Yeah, they uh, they should reach out to like Adam and Eve or someone like that. Mm -hmm. Like, we need the world's biggest butt plug. They could just get that, uh, I forget which country uh, did it, but it was like a modern take on the Christmas tree and it just looked like a butt plug. It was an inflatable Christmas tree. Yeah, So just something like that. Yeah, a giant... Butt plug, or like a dragon dildo, or something fancy. Now, of course, extinguishing this fire is probably easier said than done, and uh, the Gizmodo article explores a few potential options while noting that, again, the gateway to hell doesn't actually pose a particularly serious danger to people or the environment. Uh, I mean, it is—it's kind of weird. It's a little embarrassing, but what are you? What are you? Gonna I, do? I'm surprised they don't like throw all of their garbage in it. Let's get this. That's what they did in. Uh, the town that uh, fucking Silent Hill is based on. Yeah, it's, well, it's something Sylvania. There you go, Vulcanvania, something like no, that. No, that's that's nothing but trouble. <laughs> it's, it's something like that. <laughs> but yeah, it's a trash fire that uh, ended up lighting a uh, natural gas fuse, and uh, there you go. And uh, now the Earth is just burning mm -hmm. forever. But uh, one potential solution to the gateway to hell would be to basically starve the fire with enough fire extinguisher foam to fill the entire thing. There's a world record. Get world uh, most number of fire extinguishers, like just a ring of men outside, each holding a fire extinguisher, blowing them at the same time. Now you need one giant one. World's biggest fire extinguisher. Exactly. Yeah. So that's something. Uh, another one, another potential thing that would work would be to uh, starve the fire by building a giant round lid and then sliding it on top. Uh, I think if there was like a, you know, uh, a, a, that would be the base, and then the rest would actually fill out the hole uh, in a way that uh, smothers the fire, but also makes the earth feel pretty good. Well, yeah. Yeah. I Yeah, butt plug would be... Uh, one that you can see from space. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, filling the pit with dirt would also that would snuff out the flames and kind of do the trick, but it would not stop the methane, which would... It would be good if they if they really want to capture this methane, dirt would be all right, but it also might result in a new geyser of fire popping up somewhere else, like miles away, because this gas is going to take the path of least resistance, yeah. and it's already burning, so... that got a good thing going here. Yeah. That could just create a new gateway to hell, the back door to hell. Yes. The side entrance. Yeah. The Earth's m pussy. <laughs> <laughs> the Yussi. The Earth's Yussi. <laughs> um, but or to really shut the whole thing down definitively, uh, they could just drill a hole and drop a giant bomb down that hole to <laughs> both extinguish the flames and shift the Earth enough that the gas is again trapped underground. I don't. I I actually like that idea the the least. Well, it's, you, you can't see it. It's out of sight. <laughs> I don't think we should be bombing the Earth's asshole. And it's happened before. Yeah. You have to let the Earth know it's coming. 
Camp, no surprises. The, did you get consent from the Earth? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the article then discusses a time that uh, the Soviets did exactly that with a nuke. A quick peek at Cold War history hints at the magnitude of what would likely be needed. Back in 1963, a gas well in Uzbekistan erupted into an accidental inferno and burned steadily for three years. By 1966, Soviet officials decided to go the route of setting off a conduit-blocking bomb below ground. In their hour of desperation, officials quite literally chose the nuclear option. They used a nuke, petroleum geomechanics expert Mark Tingay said. The potent blast didn't just rearrange the buried labyrinth with shocking violence. It liquefied plenty of rock, which then quickly froze into a glass, effectively sealing shut any and every route that gas had to the surface. With that, the fire went out. Quote, it worked. It's a pretty extreme measure. I wouldn't recommend it, said Tingay, but it did work. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, you could... You could nuke, just drop a nuke down there. Yes, uh, yeah, that would work. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's probably probably an easier option, but you could do that. It would definitely work. Yeah. And this was, uh, there was this whole period before, like after Hiroshima, but before uh, radioactivity had really been studied, they were talking about, I think we covered this in the video, they were talking about using nukes as like a, a replacement for dynamite in like drilling yeah, and stuff. Yeah. They're just like, well, this can do it a lot faster. Like, oh, imagine you want to put a highway through this like mountain pass. Like, oh, no more mountains. It's going to take so much dynamite and so much time, but you just drop a nuke there. Oh, there you go. Pave yeah. that highway. Uh, and then they quickly realize they're like, oh, this is, uh, <laughs> this, is, uh, this is bad for everyone's health. You can't just be blowing shit up with nukes all the time. Yeah, but if it wasn't, there'd be a lot more nuked highways. Yeah. 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 So, so, yeah, a nuke probably would work, but Turkmenistan doesn't have any nukes, and that's probably a good thing. So, I don't know, maybe a really, really big conventional bomb. Just get as many M80s as you can. Make a TikTok video of it. Yeah. Dropping, yeah, sure. dropping one million M80s into the gateway to hell. Yes. Gone wrong. Gone right. <laughs> but whatever they choose to do, it's going to be expensive and dangerous and largely unnecessary, and uh, also they might just decide... Just leave it alone. They might just decide not to do it, as yeah. they have when they've previously said that they were going to do something about that giant pit of fire out there in the desert and then change their mind because it was going to be too hard. Uh, but if you've really been wanting to see the Gateway to Hell, uh, I guess book those tickets soon, just in case. Yeah. Might not be there forever. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are like, oh, I'm going to go see the Galapagos Islands, the Great Barrier, Great Barrier Reef, before climate change destroys these places. Like, no, I'm going to go to Turkmenistan and see the big old the fire butt pit old. Yeah. before they put the butt plug in it. Yup. The nuclear butt plug. <laughs> it is the nuclear option. <laughs> uh, but speaking of lesser-known travel destinations, not a lot of people know that the town of Gastonia, North Carolina, is like something out of a storybook. <laughs> Could you believe America could be so beautiful? Wow. Uh, it has beautiful mountains and almost European-looking architecture. Wow, interesting. Thankfully, in the age of the internet, nothing stays secret for long. And a TikToker named Zachary Kesey spotlighted this hidden North Carolina gem in a recent post that was viewed by thousands. And one of these viewers was Florida woman Olivia Garcia, who was traveling with her family up to Boone, North Carolina for a little snow excursion. And... Uh, convinced her family that the hour detour to see Gastonia with their own eyes would be more than worth it. Guys, this is a hidden gem here in North Carolina. Why would someone lie on the internet? Just look at that thing. So the problem is obvious. Well, here's Gastonia. It is not the town in the video because the video is actually taken in the Swiss Alps. 
Uh, if you have done any traveling in the United States or opened any books. Yeah. Nothing looks like that. Especially not in the coastal south. Yeah, yeah anywhere on the east coast. Nowhere on the east. Like, yeah. maybe, like, uh, Yosemite could have, you know, something that resembles somewhat, not even close. Like but towns built right up against, like, mountain yeah, faces. It, yeah. Yeah, it's I don't know. Not, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's not even mountains that big on the east coast. No. Uh, here's North Carolina's CBS 17. I was like, oh my god, this looks so cool. We have to go here, she said. I showed everyone, and they're like, okay, let's go. It was an hour out of the way. When they arrived, they saw, well, Gastonia. <laughs> everyone in the car was like, did you not Google search this? And I didn't think about it. I was just, like, scrolling on TikTok and was like, we should go here, she told Queen City News. And they asked what the name of the place was, and I'm like, Gastonia. They routed it, and we went. And I just kept scrolling. Zachary Kesey lives in Durham and is the creator behind the video. Quote, I don't think I've ever been to Gastonia, he admitted. He has been tagging North Carolina spots like Wrightsville Beach, Falls Lake, and Concord Mills Mall in videos he took <laughs> while studying abroad two years ago. <laughs> I know it's not these actual locations, and that's the point of it, but it's nice people see the humor in it, Kesey said. <laughs> I've seen some of these, and it's like a hidden gem in California, and it's yeah. clearly like Switzerland <laughs> or like Holland, and the comments are always just like, I know San Bernardino when I see it, and like, <laughs> people are like, what's the location? And it's like Inland Empire. <laughs> I love that this is a trend. Yeah, it's... It's great. Oh, wow. Fontana looks great in this video. (laughs) Like, oh, it's amazing. Beautiful Chino, California. (laughs) The land of milk and honey. (laughs) And yeah, this dude's TikTok, it is hilarious if you scroll through his posts. Uh, In one, he labels a gothic cathedral as a uh, new Bass Pro Shop location. (laughs) (laughs) In another, he labels a video that's clearly the canals of Venice as Fayetteville. Uh, it's a it's a great bit, and he's very committed to it. Um, but uh, with the Gastonia post, it's a little more understandable why someone would see it on their timeline and find it believable. Though you should st- still really do at least a quick Google search of uh, whatever you're going to take an excursion on. Just do it uh, before you go there. Yeah, and she was driving from Florida. It's still it's just an hour out of That's, the way. Yeah, it's already like a 12-hour drive. Like, what's another hour if we get to see this magical storybook Disney fucking setting? The only thing more depressing than this wasted excursion was stopping it south of the border. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you've ever done the drive that goes uh, near the South Carolina border, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's not. That's the border we're talking but about. But look, the, the, thing, the reason this is so sellable is because of the name. It's, Gastonia. It's, yeah. Oh, based off of like the, Gaston the character from, from Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Oh, he, yeah. 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 No town is as beautiful as Gaston. Mm-hmm. Uh, but speaking of Florida women... Former First Lady Melania Trump has recently been getting into the whole NFT thing. Oh, jeez, NFTs. <laughs> uh, but let's check in on how her NFT projects are doing. Here's The Guardian. What do Melania Trump's wide-brimmed white hat, a painting of her wearing the hat, and an NFT of an animated version of the hat have in common? They were all put up for auction by the former First Lady, and as of early Wednesday, failed to rake in the target price of a $250,000 opening bid. <laughs> Trump announced earlier this month that she would auction off the autographed hat, which she wore to meet the French President Emmanuel Macron and his wife during an official state visit in 2018. The auction also included a watercolor painting of herself wearing the hat and a non-fungible token, or NFT, of the painting. She insisted that all bids be made in Solana tokens, a cryptocurrency. 
When the auction concluded on Wednesday, there were only five bids on the items, each around the minimum requirement of 1,800 Solana tokens. Although the minimum number of tokens was met, a steep dive in the crypto market <laughs> over the last two weeks resulted in the final bid being approximately $170,000, about $80,000 short of the opening bid threshold. Still way too much money. Is this the hat that makes her look like she's in uh, Holy Mountain or whatever that Jodorowsky movie is? I think it is. Okay, cool. Well, I mean, it's a great hat. Yeah. I like those big hats. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's uh, it's comically... Look like a Spanish priest doing a little inquisitioning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look like Raiden. Yes. And then she shits gold. Yeah. Just like in the movie. And that's an NFT as well. Yeah, if, I mean... I'm sure her uh, eyes NFT is probably doing okay, I would assume, I, I guess. think those did manage to sell, because that was right before the crash. But this yeah. is hilarious. It's like, uh, the bids have to be in Solana, and then the value of Solana, like, gets cut in half. She's like, oh, it's literally the, the minimum Solana bid doesn't even come close to the minimum USD value bid. So uh, I guess she keeps the hat. If I were the person that just barely lost this auction, I would be very happy with the fact that it got canceled. Well, this person prob probably really wanted that hat. It's probably Donald Trump Jr. Like, Don't worry, Mom, I got you. I'm going to make sure the minimum requirements are met. Yeah. 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 Anyway, before we get to the headlines half of the show, this episode is sponsored by Babbel. Whether it's saving more and spending less, getting organized or losing weight, there's a lot of worthwhile goals to set for yourself this year. At the top of my list is learning a new language with Babbel, mm -hmm. the language learning app that sold more than 10 million subscriptions. I'm learning Spanish. Yo aprendo español. That's right, he's speaking Spanish, but no, <laughs> these children are American. Uh, not only is learning a new language a fun and engaging new hobby, mm -hmm. you can use it while you check off traveling more from your list. Uh, the whole Babbel process is addictively fun, fast, and easy. Babbel teaches bite-sized language lessons for real-world use. I really like how lessons are centered around realistic conversations mm -hmm. and not just short phrases. Immersion's key with language learning, and Babbel does a great job at simulating real immersion. I like it because uh, all of my uh, Spanish-speaking friends think it's very funny when I try to speak Spanish with them and usually get, like, one or two things wrong. Like, esposa es muy bien. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good job, Ricky. Tu yeah. esposa es muy grande. Wait, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, but, but the fact is, I know way more words now than I did previously, and everyone yeah. likes the good try. Yeah, it is funny, because, like, I took four years of Spanish in high school, and apparently I do remember a lot of it, but, mm -hmm. like, I just didn't care yeah. back then. And now I'm like, oh, it'd actually be really useful to learn a language. Yeah. Uh, Babbel's 15-minute lessons make it the perfect way to learn a new language on the go. Other language learning apps use AI for their lesson plans, but Babbel lessons were created by over 100 language experts. Their teaching method has been scientifically proven to be effective. With Babbel, you can choose from 14 different languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, and German. Plus, Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent. Start. Elliot needs to work on rolling his R's. Exactly. He's getting better. Restaurante. <laughs> Restaurante. Uh, as you can tell, he's doing much, much better. I'm so proud of you. Uh, there are so many ways to learn with Babbel. Uh, in addition to lessons, you can access podcasts, games, videos, stories, and even live classes. Plus, it comes with a 20-day money-back guarantee. Start your new language learning journey today with Babbel. And right now, when you purchase a three-month Babbel subscription, you'll get an additional three months for free. That is six months for the price of three. Just go to babbel.com and use promo code WEIRD. That is B-A-B-B-E-L dot com, code WEIRD. Babbel, language for life. 
Mucho gusto. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Encantado. Yeah. Uh, anyway, time for the headlines. I don't know how to say headlines in Spanish yet. Uh, nope. So, not even going to try. Not even going to try. Tr- yeah. not, I haven't gotten to that lesson yet. It's mainly uh, how to order food and uh, get help if you're traveling and uh, have forgotten your pasaporte. Necesito ayuda, mm-hmm. señor. Yes. All right. Now for the headlines. These are all in English, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, starting with, traffic police pulled over an 84-year-old man and discovered he had been driving without a license since he was 12 years old. But he was so good at it that we just let him go. I mean, at that point, yeah. Uh, like, how have you been able to do this this whole time? I was like, well, I've never been pulled over. Like, that's that's more impressive they should the give him an honorary degree. license, like an honorary degree. Yeah, if yeah. you if you manage to go seventy years mm-hmm. into old age, an old age when when you're just naturally getting worse at driving, and you finally get pulled over for the first time at age eighty four, and like I don't I don't even think they pulled him over for like anything serious. I think like maybe his tags were outdated or anything. But yeah, he never had a license, never even had insurance that whole time, and uh, only just now getting caught. Like I don't see what the big deal is. And you know he's going to keep going. You can't be like, sir, you need to get off the... Re- 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 re-. You can't revoke his license. Yeah. This is in England. It's like, uh, he's going to get like points on his record or something. Oh, no, I'm going to have to take our wonderful public transit system. Yeah. Yeah. It, taking, get it, losing your license in America is uh, a one-way ticket to financial ruin. Well, I mean, England, if you're in London, yeah, you don't necessarily need a car. But there's some pretty... There's a lot of remote, more remote locations out in the north where... Uh, Having a car might be a little more useful. No, they drive tractors up there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, cool crime. I think it's good. They should give him an honorary license. No one was harmed in the committing of this cool crime except for the egos of these policemen. It, it's like, uh, I can't remember what, why they were taken away, but it's like that like 90-year-old competitive bicyclist who they took his medals away, and it's yeah. like, come on, let the guy die. Let like the wait, old man the, do steroids. Take the medals away after he's dead, posthumously, so that yeah. he dies knowing that he was successful. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Come on. We need to show old people a little more respect. We, yeah. <laughs> I, I like the old... We just like, got the boomer vote. The, I think, yeah, Pat Oswald, where he's just like, at, at certain ages, you get new, like, civil rights, mm-hmm. where, like, you turn 90, and, like, you're now allowed to, like... Drive drunk and shit. So his pants are off. <laughs> yeah. Well, he doesn't know any better. Also, like, it's not even a sexual thing. He can't even get it up anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so the old lady hit a kid with her purse. It's fine. The he probably fine. deserved it. Probably learned a big lesson. Yeah. About not messing with old ladies. Yeah. There you go. West Virginia governor holds up his dog and tells Bette Midler to kiss its hiney. Yeah, so Bette Midler, the... Uh, Actress, uh, is she an EGOT winner? She might be. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, she, she did the, the typical lib thing of uh, criticizing uh, Joe Manchin, the senator from West Virginia. Libs love doing this shit, and it, it's, it's bad. Mm-hmm. They're like, Joe Manchin wants, you know, he's, he's opposed to progress. He wants the rest of the country to be like his shitty state where everyone's on drugs and, <laughs> and, and uneducated and can't fucking read. Everyone's just poor white trash in West Virginia. Yeah. And everyone in West Virginia is like, hey, we're here. <laughs> what did we do to you, bitch? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, you take your arguments with him. Leave me alone. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, the governor of West Virginia, joint session or whatever, he, he had the, the fattest bulldog I've ever seen. <laughs> and the, the dog's name is Baby Dog. Like, get baby dog over here. I got a message for Bette Midler and anyone else who wants to mess with West Virginia. You can kiss baby dog's hiney. 
it's uh, quite an image. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, good. I hope she was humbled. I don't think she was. Yeah. Chicago man who spent nearly 20 years in prison for murder released after twin brother confesses to crime. I, I don't understand how this happens. Like, when you're on trial for murder, I feel like the, the twin brother defense is the first card you play. Yeah. Like, how do you know it was me? Could have been my identical twin brother. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's comical. This is, this, is every, uh, this is every suspect's dream. Like, oh, I'm good. Is my brother. But, uh, yeah, this guy, it, it, this fucking sucks. He got sent to prison for murder. Ten years after he was in, his brother, the actual killer, was in prison for some other shit and, like, wrote him a letter being like, yeah, gotta come clean. It By was me. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, it was me. Uh, and that was ten years ago that he got that letter. And he's only now, like, the process has gotten to the point where he can start to be released. Like, he has to go through, like, his uh, exit process and then go to a halfway house. But it's like... These are real-life blues damn. brothers. Yeah. Yeah. Chicago and everything. So... We're on a mission from God. Eric Clapton claims YouTube is using subliminal advertising to keep the masses subservient in an interview posted to YouTube. And we slightly brought this up uh, very quickly this week on another video, but, like... He's fully bought... So this is a popular conspiracy theory among the... Uh, COVID skeptic crowd. They, mm -hmm. I, there's a term for it. It's not real. It's it's some shit they made up. But they they believe that uh, everyone who doesn't feel the way they do about lockdowns and vaccines is actually being controlled by uh, the Illuminati through like subliminal messages on YouTube or some shit. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, real shame. Yep. Uh, but yeah, especially hilarious is like just going on YouTube to talk about how YouTube brainwashes people. And why would you be immune to this? Why would you special people be immune to this while everyone else is... Uh, well, because they're, they're bigger and stronger and more smarter than everybody. They are built different. Yes. That's, uh, you know why? Uh, the only way that you are uh, not able to get brainwashed by all these social media sites, one simple trick. You drank out of a hose when you were a kid. Yeah. Yeah. And we liked it. Mm -hmm. We all drank out of the hose. That was the only water we needed. It's filthy, rusty... Hose with bugs that have been crawling in it. Yeah. Makes the water taste good. It's the only vaccine I need. It's very earthy. Hose water. Yeah. Wait, the, it's two things. Drink from the hose and playing lawn darts. Yeah. I learned my And our parents, lesson. they said that you just go off until, the, until it's uh, dusk. And nobody's calling around looking for you. Yeah. They just trusted us. A lot of us did get kidnapped. Yeah. But the ones that didn't. Now we're built different. Yep. If you didn't get into trouble when you were a kid, well, then you are going to get brainwashed by YouTube. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Back then we ate paint chips whenever we wanted before these liberals came in and said, oh, don't let your kids eat leaded paint chips. And look how I turned out. Look how I turned out. Mm-hmm. I still get unleaded gasoline on the black market. <laughs> I get, get leaded lead gasoline. Lead <laughs> put that lead. I put the lead back in the gas. Mm-hmm. Can't nobody tell me how to live. <laughs> it just runs better. I'm sorry. There's just, uh, there's just something about boom, boom, runs better. <laughs> Built different, runs better. Uh, bridge collapses in Pittsburgh just hours before Biden infrastructure visit. And this is also like the same day where like the Biden administration is just earmarking billions for a presumed war that's about to take place. And it's just like, like our uh, bridges are literally <laughs> collapsing. Falling into the fucking water. Yeah. This like the timing could not have been more yeah. ironic like and this it's a big like this this keeps coming up for like 
the last 20 fucking years. They're like, hey, most of the bridges in this country were built during like the New Deal yeah. and are due right now to be replaced or retrofitted. Mm-hmm. Like these uh, concrete and steel has a lifespan. And we are, we are at that point. And they're like, ah. Uh, but it looks fine. Yeah, it looks good. Why would we want to d- retrofit or, or help this bridge when it's so beautiful? Such a beautiful bridge. Yeah, I mean, the, the bridge class, it's, the pictures of it is fucking wild. Somehow no one died. I guess there was only like three cars on it, and the people are injured, but it uh, doesn't sound too serious. Mm-hmm. But, uh, oh, look who's here, Mr. Joe Biden. <laughs> funny, you should, funny you should mention infrastructure. Would you check this out. You haven't, look, we grew up different. We drove on bridges that waved in the wind. Yeah. And nothing bad ever happened to those bridges, right? Uh, but yeah, he, uh, the funniest pictures are him at the bridge with uh, Pennsylvania Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman, mm-hmm. who looks like he belongs in the WWE. He's like six We've foot, talked about him previously. He's like six yeah. foot nine and refuses to wear a suit. Mm-hmm. And he, I didn't realize this about him, but it totally checks out. He's one of those shorts guys. It's like fucking winter. He's out there in a hoodie and shorts, talking to the President of the United States. Drinking out of a hose. Yeah. Doing all the things. <laughs> yeah, John Fetterman rules. He's, uh, I think he's running for Senate. So yeah. if you live in Pennsylvania, check that guy out. He's an uh, interesting character. But well, he's at least a they, now they uh, have to build something. They have to do something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now that there's no bridge, yeah. There's a, the bridge fell. So, uh, well, I guess that means it's time. Yeah, that's how you know it needs replacing. Yes. Glad we didn't rush it. Mm-hmm. What if we had replaced that like five years ago? That's five extra years of this old bridge. We wouldn't have gotten it. so many extra miles out of it. <laughs> yeah. Apple Maps erects giant digital wall to hide Tim Cook's house. And it's like, just look for the house that's all blurred out and shit. Yeah. That's probably Tim Cook's house. Yeah. Google just, has this. Yeah. 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 I see it like occasionally and it's always like, it always just makes me more curious if I'm on Street View and I'm looking for something that I'm actually looking for, and then I see something blurred out, I'm like, then the I start Googling what that address is. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Also, you can just like click twice and like go backwards on it, and it's like, oh, yeah. there it is. You can get another angle of uh-huh. it. You can see it from the sky. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. But yeah, if you're looking for Tim Cook's house, just look around like Cupertino, Palo Alto. It's uh, it's probably the one with pixelized. Uh, it's all pixelized and shit. He is apparently the victim of a a stalker right now, though. Yeah. Some woman is claiming that he is the father of her children, which mm-hmm. has a, a pretty big plot hole to it, in that Tim Cook is definitely 100% gay. So... Well, that's the big secret, is he's actually straight. Yeah, he, he just told everyone he was gay eight years ago mm-hmm. to get out of paying alimony. Smart to move. Lady, to his baby Smart mama. Smart move. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's that hustler grind set. Yep. When you're running Apple, you don't have time for alimony and all that shit to get in the way of progress. So, you let the world know you're actually gay. Yeah. He cracked the code. You gotta, to be the best girl boss, you have to be a man. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Elderly Italian man draws gun when asked for COVID health pass at McDonald's. Well, you mean I gotta show you my COVID house pass. I like to picture all Italians as Italian-Americans. Hey, what do you mean I gotta show you my COVID health pass? It is, <laughs> it is funny, yeah, because I forget which season it is of Sopranos because I've been watching through it. But oh, Tony it? goes to Italy. He's like, and I was just like, I was like, oh yeah, they don't talk like this. Yeah, it's. I mean, uh, I've been to Italy. I know they don't, but it's hard to separate the two between like New York Italians and fucking actual Italian speaking uh, English. That episode's uh, 
is it Polly who like has like a full on crisis realizing that he hates Italy? Yes. Like every all these men are walking around wearing handbags and shit. It's mm-hmm. like it was fucking gay as hell. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is supposed to be my country of origin. Regardless, this is why this is a very clear reason why uh, minimum wage workers shouldn't be in charge of having to police vaccine mandates. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. The alternative is like having security guards at every fucking business. Yeah. Which, uh, look, I, I don't know. Maybe you should just assume the risk if you're going to go dine in at a McDonald's. Yeah, I... I feel bad for the workers who have to be around people inside their place, but just maybe keep it drive through for a while. Yeah. Get a or takeout. gun pulled on you by La Cosa Nostra. Mm-hmm. This guy's 88 years old, too, so... Uh, He's definitely someone that I, I feel like is j- very upset about this because it's ruining the last years of his life. Yeah. That's it! My golden years... <laughs> I've had enough! ...in the uh, Kamora crime family mm-hmm. are... Uh, they're not going as well as I pictured back in the day. I somehow lived, I outlived all of my enemies and friends, and here I am. Can't even get a fucking Big Mac. Mafia sucks. <laughs> it's just not how it used to be, man. I miss the old days. Yeah. And I'm going to show you how much I miss them. <laughs> Call an ambulance for you. <laughs> <laughs> but not for me. <laughs> oh, man. Michael Avenatti asks Stormy Daniels about poltergeists, prison rape, Game of Thrones, and Michael Cohen during bizarre New York City trial. I completely forgot about this guy. Did he get sued by Nike or something? Yeah, he he tried to extort Nike. He basically went to them. He's like, you got to give me $25 million or I'll go to the press and tell them that you are like bribing high school and college athletes or some shit with uh, illegal endorsements Mm -hmm. or some shit. Uh, so yeah, he's he's already going to prison for three years about that, and then I guess he's he was sued by Stormy Daniels, who was his client briefly, because he stole a bunch of money from her. Yeah, just straight up like stole, uh, like called up her book publishers and stuff. Is like, oh uh, yeah, so Stormy would rather you send the checks to my office instead, because you know I'm a I'm a lawyer, and also and he also talked a bunch of shit on her. He's like. <laughs> she's a porn star. She's a fucking idiot. Send send the money to me. She doesn't know what she's doing. She's sucked too many dicks. Um, it's so funny because this guy was like, "What is comeback?" This guy was like the the darling of the Democrats for uh, a month about, yeah, because he was anti Trump, and yeah. people were literally saying he should run for president. It's fucking hilarious, and he's just a total like grifter scumbag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, yeah, and also in the to prove what a great lawyer he is, he is representing himself. Perfect. In the Stormy Daniels trial. Fantastic. Which if you ask any lawyer, any actual lawyer worth their salt about self-representation, they will tell you. Bad idea. That an attorney who represents himself has a fool for a client. <laughs> yeah. There you go. And uh, proven by all the things discussed. Yeah. Yeah. Orcas recorded for the first time killing and eating world's largest animal, the blue whale. Now that's a buffet. That's an ocean buffet, baby. This is the equivalent of being attacked by... A pack of chihuahuas. Yeah. And having them kill and eat you. That's literally fighting a hundred horse-sized ducks. Or no, yeah. duck-sized horses. It, it really is. Yeah. It's horrifying. Orcas are like one of the most terrifying animals in the sea. They are... Uh, no, they do flips. And they yeah, go- they do tricks at SeaWorld. Occasionally they kill a trainer. They just pull them in and drag them to the bottom knowing that if they hold them down there long enough, they will run out of air mm-hmm. and die. Yeah. Um... Yeah, terrifying animals. They hunt in packs. Yeah. They uh, apparently, if a anywhere that an orca has been, 
Great white sharks will avoid that area for like six months. Yeah, they don't want to fuck with it. They don't want to fuck with it. Mm-hmm. When they were killing this blue whale, they observed it. Uh, they like took out its fins. <laughs> Didn't they rip out its tongue too? One of them jumped into the whale's mouth and started munching on the tongue. I guess the tongue's the tastiest bit. Yeah, These things are savage. So yeah, it was like a dozen of them, and then every orca for a hundred miles came through, and it was a family. It was Thanksgiving dinner, eating on that blue whale. Yeah, they were. They had a lot to be thankful for. Did you ever see that video of a uh, woman up in? She's in Washington or Oregon. She's on her boat, and a a sea lion jumps on her boat, and she's like. What are you doing? Get out of here. Yeah, and, it was being and then she fire. realizes that she's completely surrounded by orcas that are just sitting there. Mm-hmm. Terrifying. Get out. <laughs> yeah, she she ends up making it leave. I'm like, lady, you just killed that sea lion. <laughs> Call an ambulance, but not for me. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, buddy. It's either me or you. <laughs> I'm the one with the boat. Yeah, like, you, you interrupted my nice day on the water. Yeah. This is, sorry, this is nature. The cameraman's for... This is nature, not nurture. (laughs) I'm not here to nurture you. If the camera people behind planet Earth can deal with uh, allowing death to happen, so can I. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And final headline. Elon Musk offered a 19-year-old $5,000 to take down a Twitter account that tracks his private jet, report says. (laughs) Well, uh, first of all, I feel like that's an extremely low number for a billionaire. And so did this kid. That's why he didn't take the offer. Mm -hmm. Um, he had, he's like, give me a Tesla Model S or the monetary equivalent, and then we'll talk. And then Elon just didn't stop getting back to him. But he's like, oh, you're actually endangering my life by letting people know where my jet's flying? It's like, this is fucking public information. All he's doing, he just created a bot that goes to the, the FAA or one of these like the flight track number or whatever. Yeah. His private jet is registered. And when you own a private jet, this is just one of the... Uh, Not very private. This is the one sacrifice you have to make is that uh, due to FAA guidelines... Uh, your location is tracked while you're in the air, and that, there's a lot of very good, sensible reasons for why that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Elon Musk feels feels that uh, if he gets killed, the blood is on this guy's hands for the, publishing this completely public information on Twitter. The best part about this is the fact that 99% of people would have never even thought about tracking his jet until yeah. all of these articles about him offering $5,000 to get someone to shut up about it. Yeah, I didn't know this. Literally the Streisand effect. I didn't know the account existed. And I went to it and I was like, oh, this is pretty wild. Mm-hmm. He flies a lot. He's flying every day because he's a fucking weirdo and he lives in L.A. Mm-hmm. but works in the Bay Area most of the time. And goes to Texas a lot, so, I'm sure. Yeah, he's, so he's just commuting constantly. Mm-hmm. The, the man who's uh, saving us from climate change uh, burns a lot of jet fuel, guys. A whole lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, if I was a billionaire, I'd be flying all over the place, too. I would, too, but not this frequently. It is a, it is a bit much. Like, if I was running three companies, I'd probably uh, do the more efficient thing and try to have them at least, like, somewhat close to each other. I would just stay places for an extended period of time, like a week or two. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you do your Because then you're just week. like, like he, I, I mean, I guess he's going in for meetings or whatever, which I guess could be done virtually, obviously. But, like, that's the thing is, like, just the idea of being somewhere for, like, less than 24 hours, like, you're having so much, aside from owning a private jet, you've got to go from the jet to wherever, yeah. and you have time in the air. And it's like, you're wasting so much time just, like, traveling. Yeah. I don't get it. I don't know. But then again, like, I would never have it in me to have that lifestyle because I would be like oh my companies are worth a billion dollars well, cool bye. I want nothing to do with this <laughs> yep 
Sell. Yeah. Bye. See ya. I'm gonna go do absolutely fucking nothing. And deactivate all of my accounts. Yeah. And no one will ever hear from me again. Fuck you all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, it's psycho shit to keep yeah. running a company when you're that rich. It really is. It's the, pol the police are here. Uh-oh. Uh, we've made fun of Musk too much. Anyway, that's our episode. Yeah. Oh, uh, also, you didn't add, but one more headline was the, uh, and I'm going to get it wrong, but uh, Tucker Carlson is sending a, a film crew out with Kid Rock to document the tour. Yeah, we have that to look forward to, I guess. A Tucker Carlson-produced documentary about Kid Rock's anti-vaccine rock tour. This uh, is slowly becoming the most infamous tour Ever to happen. Yep, this is the tour Joe Biden doesn't want you to see. No, Brandon? He doesn't want you to see it? No. No. Uh-uh. Um, uh, anyway, uh, we have a TikTok. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, so the furries found the TikTok. It's like 45,000 views now. <laughs> the furries found it. Pretty nuts. Uh, we, just, we just post clips there. But, yeah, uh, so go to the TikTok. If you already have TikTok, don't download it for it. But yeah. if you have it, go like all the videos. Go watch all the videos and follow. And uh, in the meantime, watch our most recent episodes. We have a new episode of News Dump over here with uh, John Knoxville and uh, Minnie Mouse's not-sexy new look. Mm -mm. And also uh, a, an entire episode dedicated to uh, terrible NFT news that is very funny because it's so sad. Check those out. Subscribe to the channel, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.